What's going on guys, it's your man with the plan, Samuel Plan, coming back at you once again with another brand new installment of Sports Entertainment is Dead right here on Lords of Pain Radio. Thanks for tuning in guys, if you missed last week's episode you can still go catch that on demand, the way to do it is very simple, head over to Spreaker, head over to lordsofpain.net and you can catch my last episode of SCID on demand, you can also do it through your usual podcast provider as well. Please also make sure you check out all the other great shows here on Lords of Pain Radio. We have stuff coming to you each and every single day of the week, covering everything from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, TNA, Indie Circuits, British Wrestling, you name it, we've got coverage for it. So do make sure you check out all the wonderful shows. You can do so by subscribing. Don't subscribe to Lords of Pain Radio, but do subscribe to each of our shows by their individual name, and that way you can make sure you don't miss a second of the great coverage we've got for you here on Lords of Pain Radio. It is another week in my ongoing project for Sports Entertainment is Dead Year 2. If, of course, you're unfamiliar with it, and this is the first time you're tuning in, I take a guest host every single week and we explore a match chosen quite at random historically either by myself or said guest to explore the themes, the creative merits, the character, the narrative, its historical importance, anything that we think is worth commenting on. It's all inspired by my book 101 WW Matches to See Before You Die which you can still go ahead and buy on Amazon anywhere in the world. And of course, it's also the inspiration behind my second incoming book, which will be a direct sequel to 101, but will be focused specifically on the new generation era. Both of these books explore many of the benefits that come with watching your professional wrestling as performance art rather than as sports entertainment, which as the title of my show implies, is, in my belief, dead. That's what these match explorations aim to do as well. And this week, we have another... This week it is the turn of the American Independent Circuit, as indeed it will be next week, and so I knew there was only one guy that I had to get in to help me out with this. He is another LOP legend, he is well known to anybody who follows Lords of Pain Radio, LordsofPain.net, certainly very well known to anyone in our LOP forums. He's the author of the Life and Times of Bobby Heenan column series in the LOP forums, so if you haven't checked that out, do head over there and please do so. And he consumes more wrestling than I ever thought was humanly possible. I'd like to Welcome, Miss Fan, to his first appearance on Sports Entertainment is Dead. Greetings, Miss Fan fans. Thank you very much, uh, Plan Man, for having me. It's been a long time since we were able to collaborate on anything, so I'm really happy to be here. It may very well be the first time we've ever collaborated on anything. Oh my gosh, how can that be? I think you're right, though. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I knew when I started to to well when i made the decision to switch seid to looking at a match a week and wanting to go beyond wwe it was pretty obvious that uh you know there was going to be a whole masses of wrestling uh, particularly in the u.s um that uh, i certainly i don't watch because i'm a wwe guy that a lot of people won't even know exists but i think it would be fair to say uh that you seem well you certainly seem to consume most of it Oh, by no means. There is a a very uh, deep well of American independent wrestling. I don't know if anyone could consume all of it, but I think I do consume a lot more than the typical fan, so I hope I can be a good resource. Absolutely. And uh, when I invited you on the show, uh, I said, you know, I suggested that obviously you go out and pick the matches because I don't 
you know, I'm I'm an ignoramus when it comes to the uh, to the indie uh, scene uh, anywhere in the world for that matter, um, and we're going to be covering a, a couple of matches from I think it would be fair to say uh, probably the most infamous uh, certainly the, the the independent promotion that if you were to go to a, like any WWE guy or or fan. Uh, who's only really ever watched WWE, the likelihood is if you were to say to them, name one independent wrestling promotion, it would probably be Ring of Honor that they would name, I would I would venture. They've been around a long time. Uh, they were, they were you know, a relatively big deal um, uh, about a decade or so ago. And uh, you, the first match we're going to be talking about is a match from maybe their most famous period i don't know maybe you can enlighten us on that a little bit as we go but it's cm punk defending the ring of honor championship during the summer of punk against samoa joe christopher daniels james gibson who uh, wwe fans will know more uh well will know better as jamie noble in a four-way elimination match at ring of honor redemption on the 12th of august 2005 before we get into the match miss what i wanted to ask you was why it was in particular you decided to pick this well, as you said, I think a good introduction to any American independent lore is Ring of Honor, because I do think it's well known, relatively speaking, to the uh, the fan who is maybe mostly familiar with WWE, or nowadays maybe even mostly familiar with New Japan, getting into AEW, any of that kind of thing. But probably at some point they could trace back to uh, having seen or at least heard about Ring of Honor in the 2000s, which... Uh, you know, uh, this this may be their peak around 2005. It may be a bit earlier, a bit later. I think it depends on who you ask. But uh, I decided this would be as good a place as any to jump in. Uh, this is a match where I think most people will be familiar with the four guys involved from uh, from WWE, from TNA, from somewhere. And uh, also, yeah, it's the culmination, really, of one of their most famous angles because, uh, of course, it was – Repeated uh, in part by the WWEs some uh, some six years after the fact. So uh, there's a lot of connections that I think fans can easily make. And plus, I just think it's a uh, wonderful match. Not to spoil my opinion of it, but I guess uh, maybe you could figure that if I uh, decided to lead with it here. So so yeah, let's let's talk about the match then. Well, the the summer of Punk obviously got repeated in WWE to, to in in a in a sort of fashion uh, mm-hmm. uh, six years later in 2011 and I remember at the time when it was all blowing up you know people who were were better versed than I was in uh, independent wrestling were talking about you know how they'd done this in Ring of Honor uh, a lot of people were saying it was better in Ring of Honor this, in circles I was around anyway um, and obviously in WWE when they did rehash it it would end up getting sort of mired in controversy as the months went on uh, with, with typically bizarre decision making um so i guess the advantage first of all going into this as someone who was cold to it is that i kind of know what the thrust of the story is there's a there's a pretty much hype video uh, before the bell as well uh, that sort of introduces the way that these uh, three individuals were were pursuing cm punk at the time um but the 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 thing of it for me immediately off the bat was when it turned out to be uh, a case of tagging in and out. Um, th- this isn't 
when you talk, when you sort of introduced the match to me, you recommended me, you gave me the link to see it and stuff. I was expecting it to be uh, tornado rules because that's been my exposure in the past to to four way elimination matches. One of my favourite matches of all time is a four way elimination match that's wrestled in uh, tornado rules. So mm-hmm. it kind of took me off guard a little bit. The good thing about you being on the show, Miss Fan, is I think our tastes in wrestling are, are relatively divergent. So um, I'm looking forward to. Um, as we go along here, you sort of rebutting some of the criticisms that I'm liable to make because the first one that I was going to say, um, I did. Oh, first of all, I did enjoy the match. I want to get that out there. Um, but the 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 first thing that I was going to say is that I was distracted a lot of time when I found out that it was a, a case of tagging in and out. Um, the first portion of the match I think is brilliant. The way that uh, CM Punk sort of bests Christopher Daniels then bests James Gibson is avoiding Samoa Joe and then as soon as Samoa Joe comes in he just starts dominating and you sort of you understand why Punk was avoiding him but then you automatically enter into this weird situation where you've got to tag in and out it's a world championship match why don't I just stay on the ring apron and not get involved until it's down to, down to two guys then they sort of threw in the the time limit so it's a 60 minute time limit so you don't want to bide your time too much because they said that even if Punk is eliminated if the time limit expires nobody's won the champion retains and so it got to a point where to the matches um, in the positive column is the fact that any kind of um uh, what's the ter- best term to, to use? Sort of hole in the psychology had an answer. So anytime I sort of queried why would they do that, I could come up with an answer to it. So in that sense, it's pretty watertight. In the other sense, I was worried there was there was with the addition of the the tagging in and out and the time limit together and the champion's advantage, and then you start throwing all, on top of all of that the sort of the personal issues between the competitors. I was beginning to worry and get a bit distracted at just how much was going on conceptually. And I'm a big fan, as you know, of, of less is more. I worry that there was a little bit too much going on. Does that make sense? No, I can understand where you're coming from. Uh, I suppose my first counter to that is I think there's a perception in independent wrestling that, oh, these guys are just getting in the match and they're having an exhibition. There isn't necessarily a story. There aren't characters going on. And I think this very much runs counter to that. Uh, I could see the argument that maybe it's a bit much for people, but uh, I'll go back to your own statement that every time it seemed like maybe there was a bit much, that hole was patched by the commentary, by the story that was being told, uh, by all the elements really coming together. Uh, I think all wrestling is best when viewed um, in the larger sense. So if there was an opportunity to go and kind of watch like the entire story unfold, I think that would make it even easier. Obviously, not everyone has time and access for that. Not even I do with a lot of this older stuff. Um, so, so there is an element of that. But I think, uh, as you yourself said, as it kind of goes along, you kind of see all the pieces and how they come together and you can understand why everybody is doing the things that they're doing. So I, I feel like it works in that sense. Um, what would you say? I, I mean, I, it's difficult because particularly when I'm talking about matches that are sort of outside the, the, the mainstream, so to speak, that not everybody mm-hmm. listening may have seen, I try to avoid spoiling the result for people. Mm-hmm. So in, in, I want to try and avoid spoiling the result, but, but very late on um, when you think it's about to come to an end. There's there's three guys in the ring, um, and uh, Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels. Uh, I think Joe has a, yeah, Joe has a submission. I think is is Kikina uh, choke on uh, Christopher Daniels, and there's a rope break, and CM Punk pushes his his foot off the rope. Um, and I'm 
I, we will get to the positives, by the way. Um, I just I thought <laughs> I'd, I'd start with the stuff that, that bothered me a little bit. Um, the um, and I, I sort of sat there and thought, well, earlier on in the in the match, it was about um, Punk wanting to run down the clock, uh, avoiding. Uh, a confrontation with Samoa Joe. That moment seemed to work actively against both of those uh, those uh, psychological aspects from from earlier on, because it meant that he wasn't going to run down the clock, and he was going to end up in a one-on-one uh, confrontation with Joe. Did that stand out to you at all? Not so much, because uh, again, I have maybe even a little bit of additional knowledge of the sure. feud, and uh, with Samoa Joe and CM Punk. Uh, They had three very famous matches, I think, in 2004. The first two were draws, and the third, uh, Samojo was able to defeat CM Punk, uh, if I'm recalling correctly. So there's also an emphasis on Punk's part that he does want to beat Samoa Joe, uh, finally, before leaving the promotion, which he is uh, set to do very soon at the time of this match. So perhaps... In this character, you know, he wants to keep his title. That's his first priority. But being able to defeat Samoa Joe um, would be very much the cherry on top. And as we see, immediately following uh, the spot that you mentioned, Samoa Joe being in this position where he's able to take out Christopher Daniels, where he's distracted for a moment, uh, is actually a perfect opportunity for CM Punk to do exactly what he wanted to do, to kind of have his cake and eat it too. And as you said, uh, at the moment, there's only three people left in the ring. So if he's able to do this, then his night is over. He, he does not have to continue ducking Samoa Joe for the next uh, however much time was left on the clock. And I don't recall off the top of my head. But you saw how destructive Samoa Joe was. And you know, the longer this match goes, the more chance Joe, if left on his own terms, is going to be able to come after CM Punk. So I think there's a couple of levels on which it makes sense. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's talk a little bit about CM Punk then. This uh, very much his match. Can I ask? I, I don't know whether you'll be able to shed light on this or not. In the in the pack, the video package before the match, mm. it showed you Punk winning the championship and then quoting, you know, the famous idiom about the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing mankind he didn't exist. Did Punk turn into a villain after he won the championship? Very much so. When he won the title, uh, it was meant to be a very um, triumphant moment for the character. It's something he'd been pursuing for a very long time, really, for his entire Ring of Honor run. Um, And I think the idea, whether it was articulated or implied, was that he would win the title sort of uh, symbolically and then vacate it. And uh, it really came as a shock to everyone that he said instead, no, I'm going to keep this title and I'm just going to leave with it um, as a bit of extra prestige for myself. So, so yeah, that that was uh, the impetus for a turn. And uh, I would say it was a very effective one. I, I really enjoy his character in this feud and this match. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the reason I asked the question was because it does help shed light on the, the, the spot that I mentioned earlier. Um, Punk's performance is, is tremendous. I mean, he has a he has a lot of fans anyway. I kind of go hot and cold on him a lot of the time uh, when I go sure. back and watch some of his some of his stuff. I'm still I'm still not convinced he's quite as good as he seems to believe he was. Uh, quite <laughs> is honestly. anyone as good as Punk believes? He was? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, uh, which and I know that sounds very hypocritical coming from some guy who's been a Bret Hart fan all his life as well, but there we are. Um, and um, but it 
at the same time, I like to think that I'm prepared to give people credit where it's due, and I, and I he definitely deserves a lot of credit here because the whole way through, he 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 comes off as someone who is unnecessarily spiteful um, mm. to uh, the fan base of the company, to the company itself. Um, the but the best thing about it, and it's something that I think always works fantastically well uh, and is something where I don't want to keep banging on about them because we're here to talk about ROH, but a company like WWE can so often fall down on, mm. is that he's a villain who backs up his words uh, in the ring because um, he's, yes, throughout the whole thing, he, he's crafty and he's cunning and he tries to take shortcuts and he tries to cheat, uh, but when push comes to shove and he's on that canvas chain wrestling with someone or when he's going back and forth with someone he proves that he's capable as well and that's I think the sign of a really great villain in any kind of storytelling but particularly in, in pro wrestling is someone who uh, who is as good as the hero is as good as the baby face but only when he absolutely has to be and he's going to take every avenue he possibly can do to not have to prove that but just because mm. he's he's lazy or he thinks he's smarter than, than that or above that or whatever the motivation may be. And that was very much, I thought, the the key tenant of Punk's performance in this. Um, and the, the fact earlier, I didn't cotton on to it until about halfway through, but he seemed very much most of the time to tag in, when he was tagging out, to tag in Samoa Joe, which just furthered the fact that he was avoiding a confrontation with Samoa Joe, which I thought was very yeah. clever. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? Oh, well, I, I absolutely agree. I think uh, this is a wonderful run for Punk. I'll, I would say I am a big CM Punk fan. I do think he thinks too much of himself sometimes, but uh, that's uh, a forgivable thing for me because uh, one thing I respect in a wrestler is that they bet on themselves, that they do believe that they are you know, as good as they say that they are. Um, I don't think he's that good all the time, but when he is good, he's extremely good, and I think this is uh, really some of his best work, so... Uh, there is a lot of character involved here. There's a lot of uh, psychology. You can certainly see in this match uh, some backing up for the, the story, apocryphal, though it may be, that Vince McMahon told Punk, well, I don't think you can be a heel. And Punk said, well, just give me like X amount of time and I'll show you what I can do. And you look back on the history of Punk and it makes sense that he would have confidence in that regard because uh, he really puts it on display here. I think it taps into... Um... I, I, obviously I don't know the guy it goes without saying so far be it from me to pass judgment on someone but I think that uh, uh, the best heels in wrestling are often those who um, who to put it diplomatically some might find to have an abrasive personality in real life <laughs> mm, um, sure. and I think that that's a fair statement to make from the way Punk often uh, can come off when he's uh, you know in, in interviews outside of the business and stuff I think he's going to some people are going to find him abrasive um, and sure. when you I think it's Jim Jim Ross who's always said like you know a good wrestler is someone who takes the real personality and dials it up to 11 and I think that's obviously the case with, with CM Punk but the other thing the other performance because uh, i'm not that familiar with uh, chris daniels at all uh, and i kind of know jay uh, james gibson but know him as jamie noble and he didn't really <laughs> achieve that much in wwe as jamie noble um but the other performance that most stuck out to me was samoa joe who i think just naturally has an intensely commanding stage presence as a performer anyway um but the interesting thing for me that i picked up on was when I so I mean you've read my stuff you you've you've 
had conversations with me, you know how I think about wrestling. And one of the things I'm always talking about is, is wrestling genre. And if you look at triple threat matches, to take a very, very quick tangent, um, I think it, certainly since 2004, there's been two kinds of triple threat match predominantly. The kind that we saw at WrestleMania 20. Uh, and then another kind that kind of emerged when Brock Lesnar got to the pinnacle of the wrestling industry, which is where the whole match is structured around one competitor being an indomitable threat to the other two. He gets taken out for a short period. The other two then race to a finish only for the third one to come back in for the conclusion. That structure is something we've seen time and again. The interesting thing for me was I felt like if this had been Tornado Rules, that's exactly the kind of match we could have got because the whole thing seemed to orbit around the fact that Samoa Joe was a monster. I get the impression that maybe he was presented that way in, in ROH anyway. They made mention of the fact mm. that he had a very, very long uh, title reign in his own right. Um, if, as you say, Punk had never been able to beat him before, it plays into that as well. But I absolutely loved Samoa Joe in it. And, and I mean, I'm a big fan of the guy anyway. But I thought it was a, it was a really tremendous decision to decide that, look, we're going we're gonna to build everything around Samoa Joe in a way that because he, he obviously he wasn't always in the ring but even when he's like on the ring apron you have a sense that he's on the ring apron he's there mm. but he's not there I don't know if that's something you agree with or not oh absolutely um I'll say uh, in one sense this actually helped me appreciate the tag rules which are a little bit I agree unusual for a fatal four way but uh you you are able to avoid kind of the trope of uh you know two guys wrestle the other two are just kind of off in uh you know some unknown zone where where you don't worry about them for a little while and uh, while that can be done very effectively it can also be uh a bit contrived so that allowed them to play it a little bit differently as for Samoa Joe um I know there are people who love him now who think that he is one of the best in WWE and that's awesome I think he does some very good work but Samoa Joe of this era is a transcendent performer to me in his aura in his physical performance everything he does seems to be just unbelievably destructive he comes in and he throws kicks and strikes like he's trying to rip through to the other side just as you say his aura hovers over this match i think every match that he was in in this period where he's just this terrifying force and it just seems like there's no limit to the things that he can do physically so i'm a massive fan of samoa joe of this era i think he was uh, absolutely one of the best if not the best in the world through this period so you you will find me fully in support of praise of samoa joe in this match and um Let's talk a little bit about James Gibson then, because mm. when again, when you su suggested this match, because I've heard, you know, I've I've heard about the ROH Summer of Punk uh, mm. before and the basic gist of it. I had absolutely no idea. I couldn't even. I if you'd have asked me before we even talked about this, I'd have thought Jamie he was still Jamie Noble in WWE in 2005. I had no idea he wasn't <laughs> even with the company at that point. Um, and someone that I wasn't even aware had a stint in ROH, let alone had been, um, or oh, spoiler alert, uh, yeah, had, yeah. Been, <laughs> had been ROH champion. So um, can you just talk a little bit about it? Because he, when when I was watching it, and it's probably just because I knew him as JB Noble and all, it took me by shock that he was involved in this. It, it came off as a bit of a third wheel, but obviously he, he becomes the most important part of the match. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely so. Um, I'm a fan of Jamie Noble uh, pretty much in all incarnations, all the way back. He was one of the first people on SmackDown when I started watching in 2003. And, of course, he was very silly, the redneck with Nydia and the you know all the things that he did. But still, I, I enjoyed him a lot. My mind was very uh, blown, as they say, when I, I saw his work in Ring of Honor because uh, in addition to, I think, being charismatic in a sort of underrated way – you think he was really able to display that underneath kind of the, the, the character stuff that WWE tended to gravitate towards. He's a fantastic wrestler. I thought his performance in this match was great and a real testament kind of to what his ceiling may have been. Obviously not terribly long after this, he did go back to WWE. This was sort of in between stints and uh, went back to not really being a very important wheel in that machine, but for this stretch of time, I think he was really able to show what he was able to do in the ring, and uh, and it was always very impressive to me. It is a shock, I agree, to kind of come in and to see this, but I think it's also very impressive, and you can just see from the way the crowd reacts, and part of that is they're rabid for anyone to beat Punk, but they're also 100% behind James Gibson, behind Jamie Noble. They, they embrace this man wholeheartedly, and uh, I think it's just a very cool dynamic. Would you have, as someone who's more well-informed about it than I am, would you believe the, the crowd would react the way they do to the way that everything concludes had the match not written in that tangent about him getting... He gets walloped by a steel chair by CM... It's a hell of a steel chair shot as well by, by CM Punk and then gets, gets carted out uh, for a large portion of the match, which is, you know, which is a, a trope we see time and again in, in wrestling but tends to work generally. Mm-hmm. Would the do you think the fans would would have had the same reaction to the conclusion of the match had that tangent of the match not been not been there? I think they would have reacted quite a bit regardless, but I do think it heightened it a little bit, particularly because it did look like the match was over. It looked like CM Punk had once again uh, taken out all of the fan favorites, all of the ROH hopefuls that were trying desperately to get this title back and to shut down this obnoxious person who was disrespecting their company. So the fact that, um, you uh, you know, there's an emotional uh, heightening, I think, when you're sort of let down and then your hopes like are rekindled uh, almost right away. Uh, it, it sort of jumps things up to another level. So I, I think it was a device that was used very effectively here. Was was... was... Was Gibson a bit of an underdog? I would definitely say so, yeah. He was not that long in Ring of Honor at the time. He was still shedding some of his, you know, like, well, I was kind of a WWE bottom card guy uh, persona. And he was really just showing fans, uh, look, I can be so much more than this. And uh, the Ring of Honor fans were really responding to that. So for this to kind of climax that as well as the CM Punk storyline, uh, I think it was serendipitous that they were able to combine all of that together in such a way. And to keep the the rapid fire questions coming your way as well, was this, <laughs> um, was this CM Punk's last match in the company? He had one last match against his, uh, well, at the time, friend, Cold Cabana. That was sort of a goodbye match where he was able to kind of uh, put to bed some of the, the bitterness of his character okay. and uh, say goodbye to the fans in a more genuine way. Uh, but this was the last match of CM Punk as this uh, overwhelming heel force. Um, so and, in a and, way, it was sort of his last match, but he had and, one more goodbye match. And how would you... Uh, 
would you say that it's particularly well representative of for, for people who watch it and who enjoy it and who may want to go and check out more of uh, the summer of punk uh, in ROH in 2005 would you say that his performance in this is relatively well representative of of the kind of work he put in or like where would you put it on the scale of of, of his content that summer I would say it's top tier, but also representative of the kind of thing that he was doing. This is probably the best match of that run, but there are a lot of matches in this run uh, that are not far off in quality. I would give you a look at a lot of different guys as well. Uh, Roderick Strong has a particularly well-known match of this era, and of course he's now known in NXT. Uh, Many others, there are promos that Punk cuts. Uh, He wins the title originally off of Austin Aries, uh, which is also a very good match. Uh, He has interactions with Mick Foley, of all people, that are very heated. Uh, Not actually wrestling, of course, but if you want that character element, uh, that promo element that Punk would become so well known for, there's a lot of very good stuff in this run. I would highly recommend, if you have time and access, to uh, check out as much of this as you can, because I think there will be a lot of good stuff to discover. Um, And uh, the, the other question I wanted to ask you then as well was... Um, it's 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 a match with a broad creative scope, both mm. in the sense that you know it's it's culminated in some long storyline, but also the fact that it's not just one guy coming after Punk at this point. It's mm. it's three individuals. Do Samojo obviously has the history uh, there. James Gibson, we've already covered. What's Christopher Daniels? role in all of this where does he fit into all of this because we have the past with Samoa Joe that gets actively referenced mm-hmm. we have the conclusion of the match which James Gibson is is a vitally important part of for someone like me who approaches it you know had the video before the match had your sort of uh, blurb on Twitter to help explain things um, but relatively speaking is is cold to the context of this thing where does Christopher Daniels fit in in all of it Sure. Uh, of these four guys, uh, the only guy who was in Ring of Honor from day one was Christopher Daniels. Uh, this is truly a founding member of the company. So I think uh, a lot of his impetus is based around just the fact that Punk is you know, trying to basically remove the title from Ring of Honor, from this company that he helped build literally from scratch, literally from nothing. Uh, and I think that's his biggest impetus. I think uh, if you did want to point to maybe a, a third slash fourth wheel, fourth wheel's not bad on a car, but you know what I mean. Sure. Uh, maybe, Dan- <laughs> maybe Daniels uh, is a little bit out here because um, his his motivation isn't quite as strongly defined, but I do think that uh, it makes a lot of sense for him to be in the match, and I think his performance uh, is also very good. So, um, so yeah, that that's okay. my favorite. Daniels. Sure, fair, fair enough. Um, like I say, I, I, you know, conscious that, I, that I've raised a number of negative points. I did, I did very much uh, enjoy it. It was a little on the long side for me. I'm not a huge fan of of too many matches going around 40, 50 minutes, uh, 50 minutes long. But obviously, it, it's not like it didn't have a story to tell, and it's not like it wasn't a big occasion either. It was mm. the culmination of a summer long storyline, CM Punk's penultimate match, the farewell for his villainous champion uh, and I mean the, the last word on this as we sort of wrap up that I wanted to say was that um, and you you kind of mentioned it very early on in the show as well uh, Miss Fan there's a I think there's even today um, after the the whole WWE recruitment process has changed over the last decade even to this day I think there's 
there's still often a, a, a presumption that indie promotions are filled with 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 professional wrestlers who just fill matches up with content without any real sort of poise or purpose, or that perhaps indie promotions are filled with second-rate talent, or that perhaps their production values are, are too low to enjoy the show. The thing that I would encourage people um, to keep in mind if they're debating whether to go and check this out is that um, athletically... Um, from an aesthetic point of view, in terms of the the way the match plays out, it's it's world class. You know, the the uh, the performances are fantastic. The character work is fantastic. Uh, the the uh, physicality is is tremendously convincing. As I said, I particularly love the way that Punk hits uh, Gibson with the chair. Um, and the production value of the show is of the match is obviously not at that WWE level, but I think it works to its advantage. And if anything, what's happened over the last few years is that, that uh, a company like WWE has gotten its production value to such an extent that it feels soulless uh, mm. and 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 empty uh, and passionless. Not because the wrestlers don't have the passion; they absolutely do. But because that's mm. it's so gl- it's too perfect. Everything's too glossy. There's no atmosphere. The the fact that this has got a sort of a an earthy a, a grungy feel to it I think adds first of all to the sense of atmosphere that you're in it's as if you're in the room watching it and I think that's always a boon for any professional wrestling show um, but in a weird way I think it also contributes to the fact that it's it's I mean it's quite explicitly a CM Punk match um, and you know CM Punk. Uh, even in even in his best moments, wasn't necessarily the most polished. I think that set him apart. I think it worked to his benefit. And so I think the atmosphere and the mood of the match plays tremendously into the story that it's telling as well. And I'd be interested in getting your thoughts on all of that as we look to close here. Well, if we're talking about WWE production um, working to their detriment sometimes, you'll definitely get no argument from me. Uh, I, I do find uh, it as uh, it's very pretty to look at often, but there is there's a total lack of grit. Uh, you said there's no atmosphere, and I think yeah. uh, you're you're right about that. Um, and it's something that you know, if I were to come back and watch WWE more regularly, it's something that I would want to see change before I really think about doing that. So uh, I definitely agree. Um, for me, production value is really no barrier to wrestling, uh, and I know I'm the exception on that. Uh, but it would have to be pretty bad for me not to be able to enjoy it. <laughs> um, and uh, as for the match, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with the length, um, but I think it works to its advantage that there are four instead of two it makes sense that um competitors of this level it takes time to you know take them out um we avoid the trope of uh elimination matches where uh where wrestlers are eliminated much more easily than they would be in a in a singles match and uh you really get to play out the whole story um i'm glad you enjoyed it i think if you put a match just like this into nxt or aew or another modern product uh, people would be nuts about it and uh, i hope that people go check out the match as a result of uh this show and uh i hope they they have a really good time with it because i think it's very worthwhile to check out and I absolutely agree. My, I mean, my my last word. You mentioned if they if it happened in NXT today, it would um, 
it would go over well. It certainly would. Uh, but I would I would say that that uh, putting it in NXT would do it a disservice because I think it's a lot yeah. smarter than than the vast majority of stuff we're currently seeing in NXT US. And I know that I'm a, a minority of pretty much one when I'm saying that, but I stand by that opinion. And, uh, two, I'll, I'll do uh, that. I, oh, good, I don't excellent. Come down. <laughs> I don't want to come down on NXT, but I I actually completely agree. So I'm glad you said so. Marvelous. There we go. So, um, if you do enjoy uh, what you see in NXT today, hell, if you enjoy what you see in WWE, then this is going to be something that's very much uh, you should enjoy, I think, so long as you uh, understand a little bit at least about the context of it and understand that it's the culmination of a big storyline uh, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's got a unique setup. Um, which, you know, I had my reservations about, but hopefully Ms. Fan has, um, if you found any of my reservations convincing, hopefully you found Ms. Fan's rebuttals just as convincing, because you really ought to go and check it out regardless. Um, and I think that, that uh, yeah, it's it's great stuff. So thank you for joining me uh, this week, Ms. Fan. You'll be back next week, of course, with me as we break down another, uh, another match. Guys, if you want to know what that is ahead of time, uh, Ms. Fan's pick again. Um, he's picked Takeshi Morishi versus Brian Danielson for the Ring of Honor Championship at ROH Manhattan Mayhem 2 on the 25th of August 2007. So it's a couple of years uh, after the one we've looked at this year. We're going to be talking about that next week. Anything you want to uh, plug or let the folks know before we sign off here, Ms. Fan? I think um, any news on the all about All Elite Wrestling Front or anything like that? Yeah, um, as uh, Planis told me, this will be airing in December, so who knows where we'll be by then. Uh, we are recording <laughs> this on the 1st of September, and uh, as of right now, we are on indefinite hiatus with All About All Elite, uh, with WWF The Legacy Series, as well as Shane, uh, my good buddy, deals with some real-life stuff, some new uh, job and moving and uh, a lot of really important things that he's getting into. Um, got his doctorate. Uh, lately so much credit to him for uh, a lot of real life accomplishment uh hope you will be listening to the global revolution which i co-host with my good friend jeff that airs on tuesday mornings on lop radio and as planned so kindly mentioned the life and times of bobby heenan hopefully there's a recent edition uh posted on lop forums so check that out as well i put those out as often as i can very rewarding series that i hope everyone checks out that's it for me thanks for having me plan my pleasure. My thanks once again to Ms. Fan for joining me this week. In the meantime, if you have any thoughts on anything that we've discussed this week, you can be sure to let me know through the usual means. Just shoot me a tweet at LOP Plan. You can find me on Facebook, look up Samuel Plan. You can hit me up on the LOP forums. Just sign up, it's free to do so, and you can be part of a great community there as well. So thanks for joining me, guys. I hope you'll be with me again this time next week. And until then, have a good week and stay safe.